end product, but we've got, like with our certification, it is all about process and nothing to do with the end product when it comes to the measurement of, you know, the, like I, I didn't, when Joanne and Mike didn't want to certify, this will be, well, it'll be coming up to 12 months since I dropped my certification, which had gone from, I think, $320 to 1000 and. $70 or something in the previous four years. And um, it was, you know, it was no use me carrying it on. Mm -hmm. And uh, just for the garden here, you know, I would love to, if it had been a reasonable price, yeah. I would love to have remained certified. BFA but, has a certification process for small gardeners. Yeah, they're combination ones. Yeah. yeah, but it, um, anyway, I, I've, um, I gave it away, but it just seems that yeah, we've not got enough focus any longer. When we started up, Leon Sevier and I were part of the uh, group of seven of us. Um, yeah, together with Gavin Dunn and and uh, or, our, or the Wicker, um, I think he's on the name, um, Arthur Dayton. Okay. And um, he's an old BD person, I think. All of our all of our concentration was on the assessment of the end product. Yes. And we wanted the soil that they were grown in and the water that was used if they were under irrigation conditions also tested with the end product. And we wanted nil residue, no res row, no chemical residual tolerance whatsoever. And that's how it was for the first two years. Yeah. And then... Um, Doug has started trying to get involved and and um, when Doug took over as chairman it only took another sort of two years so in in all I'd say that uh, probably about five years BFA was the certification was being carried out correctly that it was the end product and then that it went down it and but we were like we were inspecting each other Yes, exactly. And we were able to help each other. Just by observation, and then, uh, even without testing yeah. in a way. But then when the uh, the government, well, I was told with the government, who said that you know, they could not have farmers certifying farmers because there was vested interest. So it had to be someone who was not a farmer. Well, it's like Demeter. I mean, it's and, vested interest, isn't it? But then mm -hmm. they then they come up with that list of, you know, what you do and what you don't do. do you know, this but is something no, no requirement to test that end product. But Hugh's been, he actually reintroduced into standards this year Good. the testing of soil Good. because he felt like what's happened now, it's organic, it's no longer about what's in the food, it's what's not in the food. It's all there to not, no, 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 but it doesn't come out with like, oh, is the fruit nutritious, does it taste good? None of that. And, and, you know, like, by soil testing on an annual basis, then at least you begin to see about what's in the soil instead of just yeah, testing I, it for chemicals, yeah, but I, residues. Yeah. Do you know? No, I think the, uh, the whole, that internal quality, we tried for two years to have, you know, quality aside, Mm -hmm. But it was when John Anderson was working on this free trade bit and it would have been um, discriminating against the countries who weren't into this sort of thing. 
It didn't matter about the one, you know, in Australia. Yeah. Um, so we never, you know, we never got to the, where I believe we should be, where the internal quality of all products is tested and tried because I think how, the... How would one test it? What would be the test of quality or nutrient dense, the most... Well, yeah, new, buzz, buzz nutrient water. density. Yeah. Well, it would be exactly the same as testing the soil, surely. Yeah. We know what's good for us, and we yeah. know what's not good for us. We know what's good for the soil, we know what's not, not good for the soil. Yeah, sap testing so, then, which is quite popular in Holland right now, is sap testing. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, you know, if it's on the mature product, yeah. the fruit or the grain or whatever, but at maturity, testing it to see what you are getting out of it, because I know with, like with the, uh, the cattle on the pastures, with the dairy cows, that um, application of 501... 24 hours before the grazing, and the cattle were laying down two hours quicker than when they were unsprayed. And, um, you know, that in itself, yeah. surely, you know, must convey a message. Well, nutritionally wise, they are getting that much because of the amount of water that's been sent back into the ground um, via the photosynthesis. And that's all carbon going back into the ground, yeah. which is going to contribute to the next and ongoing crop. And that's my view as to why we can get such an improvement and continued improvement in the soil um, if we're using 501 because all of the, uh, as the, the water and the carbon is going back into that ground, that is a perfectly natural cycle. Yeah. And we can break that cycle. And, um, you know, with imbalances and all the rest of it. And I, I just think that it is something that... Um, well, I think organics becoming, to me, nothing except expensive. Because there's, there isn't a testing for the nutrients in, in, in the end product. No, and we can't get it. And if we could get tested the end product, then somebody could say, okay, well, my wheat has 20% more protein than yours does. Yeah, yeah or, but I mean, that, that's the only thing that is accepted is the protein testing of wheat. But, you know, here again, the, I was invited to be part of a um, strawberry breeding program to improve the quality, the taste and attractiveness of the strawberry. And uh, I said, so you're going about this, you're going to overcome this problem by... Yeah, altering the genes in the plants. Oh, yes, it's the only way you can alter it. I said, look, the only way I would take part in this is if we work on the soil. I don't believe that you're going to achieve anything worthwhile by working on the genetics of the plant. We've got to look to our soil. It wasn't even part of their fruit improvement aims that they set out the things they do and I just refused, I said I wasn't going to waste my time because I seen, you know, I seen an area that was seeded in 1978 with the first two wheat varieties that were crossbred in Australia to improve the, um, the protein content and these were kept in the right place, in their right order, and I was asked what could be done, what did I think could be done to 
get the um, the protein up because the you know the growers were now being paid on a, or a bonus for additional higher protein. And um, you know what would I look to? And I said I would look to trying your original two species that we know of, uh, trying them both out as open pollinated varieties on virgin soil. Where would they get virgin soil? And I said, well, that big stock rib at Pilliga, um, I believe, you know, you could get the adjoining farmers and you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have much trouble as a government agency to lease, you know, 40 or 50 acres. You've got farmers, grain growers each side of you, you know, their machinery would surely they'd make it available to Did they do it? work the ground. Yeah, they went ahead and did it. Did it. Okay. But those two original varieties, both in protein and in quantity, exceeded all of the hybrids that are generate, were generated from them. There's not, like the fact that, you know, the bloody stubble was religiously burnt, the, the plants themselves were discouraged for looking for feed by putting you know, fertiliser underneath the, the grain when they sowed them. And the degeneration was in the soil, not in the bloody DNA yeah. of those plants. And um, I've got a big thank you note that also in you know, another way it was the most disappointing thing for this doctor that um, you know, had been regarded very highly as a plant breeder in Australia, that Cifa himself it doesn't that, really matter it, about it, the breeding. 